0: Hi, welcome to Cyclist Not Biker Podcast. We have a very special guest today, and it's not just me. Hooray. Uh, today we have the um, a very good friend of mine, the organizer of and uh, one of the founders of Trans Iowa, which I've mentioned 1,000 times in the four prior episodes of this show. Um, he's also been my Gents Race um, team partner for every... One of the eight gems races, and that's always an adventure. And uh, we've got a little thing going on this weekend, too. So I'd like to welcome uh, Mark Stevenson, a.k.a. Guitar Ted. Can I use your real name on the internet? Sure. Okay, Ted. Ted. No, wait. <laughs> <clears throat> hey, Mark. Hey, hey. It's, I'm glad to have you here. Thanks. It's good to be here. Welcome to the podcast. You're our first guest.
1: It's an honor to yeah. be the first guest.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mark and I have a thing going on this weekend. Um, this is the, uh, August 3rd edition of Cyclist Not a Biker podcast, aka, uh, the doomed to grind gravel, the 24 hours of coming race. Um, it is a, uh, is exactly what it sounds like. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's a uh, race for 24
1: hours of gravel. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think they got the idea from mountain bikes. Yeah. So it starts yeah. at 11, which is kind of a we were discussing this earlier. Yeah. It's a really weird time to start a race for gravel grinding.
0: It's a really bizarre time. Like everybody
1: starts at 4 a.m. Right.
0: Yeah. It's like, that's part of the yeah. dark 30. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Zero dark 30, the graveling hour. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that kind of works out pretty well for us. Right. Yeah.
1: We don't have to roll out of bed at some crazy oh, hour and man. not eat breakfast and yep. bonk at 100 miles in and do stupid things in the ditch. And yeah,
0: <laughs> do stupid things in the ditch. Or just like, hey, I'm in a town. There's probably a bar yeah. or a gas station. Right. I've definitely played that <laughs> game before. Absolutely. I mean, most, most people out there have, I don't know. Most people, have you done that out there? <laughs> you no. should. You should, yeah. <laughs> you really haven't lived until you've uh, completely DNF'd in the middle of nowhere, and then you're forced to find some kind of civilization and hang out and like make friends with the locals. Um, and that can be hard. You know, maybe when you out there wear like spandex and a helmet and have a bicycle, you and, look...
1: And they're all dirty and
0: grimy. Yeah, yeah, people will <laughs> see you and be like... You seem like an all right person, even though you look kind of weird. But, uh, you know, when you look like you should be uh, riding a Harley and you walk in in spandex and you you go to the bartender like, hey, um, can I bring my bike in here? There's some like sketchy dudes out there. And he looks at you like, wait, what? And it's like, no. Oh, bicycle. Like, no, I'm going to roll my Harley in here, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I asked first, so it's OK. Right. Right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, 24 hours are coming and we'll be uh, doing the two-man thing. So, we'll be taking 60-mile turns. Yep. 60-mile so. turns of
0: absolute pain. Um, there's about 12,000 feet of climbing total. Somewhere in that range just under that for the whole thing. So, it's, it's not too bad, you know. Yeah. It's not too bad. <laughs> it just comes at you over and over and, and, and over. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've recently ridden uh, a lot of these roads because they're in, they're in my neighborhood and they're uh, they're pretty chunky right now. So it'll it'll be interesting. Also, weather conditions. You know, it's been really nice. Like all through Ragbri, it was mm-hmm. beautiful out. We had like a little rainstorm here and there, but. Um, thankfully, today the heat and wind decided to make a comeback because it's not a proper gravel race right. without some crap weather. I don't know how was how was the weather for the Guitar Ted Death Ride last week? It was perfect, yeah, pretty much. <sighs> <laughs> uh, well, I wish we had that tomorrow. Yeah, I think we're going to be in the in the nineties and twenty mile an hour winds. Hooray!
1: Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah us. <laughs> yeah, yay us. I mean,
0: but you know, that's it's to be expected out right. there. That's that's the norm. I mean, the fact that we had two weeks of eighty degree weather with in, low
1: humidity. With and, low
0: humidity in late July, early August is unheard of. Right. It's one of those things that makes climate change deniers, gives them ammo. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, wait, you remember that one week in 2018 that it was cool and ju- yeah, just
1: shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of the earth is yeah. on fire.
0: Yeah. The entire <laughs> earth is on fire right now. Oh man. Yeah. You deny it, but tell you what, uh, ask anybody who spends a lot of time outdoors and I'll tell you things have definitely changed over mm-hmm. the years. Yes. Um, I don't know if we want to go
1: down that road though right now. Um, so anyway, how have you been Mark? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as a lot of people may know or not know, there's not going to be any more trans Iowa. So I don't have that hanging over my head. Yeah. Yeah. And... You've
0: re- you have- I heard today you officially retired. Yeah. I mean, I officially heard from someone for the first time that you retired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I did, I did make the call earlier in an earlier episode that, uh, it was like, Trans Iowa rest in peace but I would have, when I said it I was like oh shit I totally basically said that you were dead but no you're you're alive and well No I'm alive and well yeah. So so how many years did you do how many how many years did Trans Iowa live
1: Well we it started in 2004 late in the year is when it was birthed So you know I guess what what's that make it 15 years Yeah so yeah. that I've had that thing hanging over my head so yeah,
0: not anymore. It's a lot of, it's a lot to wait to cut off. So, yeah. what are you gonna do with your free time now?
1: Ah, I'm gonna just enjoy riding now. You know, more and more, and getting out to see friends like you. You know, and saying thanks to the people who used to support it, and you know, help help out with uh, where I can. And yeah, yeah, just have a good time. So that's that's awesome. You deserve it. I mean, you put in
0: thanks. so. so If you followed along during the, uh, all of his preparations for trans I was over the years and and whatnot, you realize how much time, like he puts forth and his family sacrifices Mm -hmm. to make this happen for, you know, a group of uh, like 110 insane people who think it's a good idea to come and do it. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of thing I like to see. Um, it is it's a race I've been obsessed with since the first time I heard about it. Cause I thought, man, that's and I, I gave it a shot. And, you know, this is, it's kind of a rare treat to have Mark here in August because, uh, as I said before, we are, uh, gents race teammates. So generally we'll either see each other in April once or twice. Yeah. Depending on whether or not I've made it to Grinnell for trans Iowa. <clears throat> um, so it's it's great to actually get to spend some time with you and not uh, yeah. Likewise, yeah. hell, we went we we were to the coming tap today.
1: Yeah, like that was no, that never would have happened. No. Any other, you know, normally what what was going to happen is uh, I would be just starting to get into the deep end of trans Iowa stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, generally speaking, right after my death ride every year, which you know normally happens on Ragberry Rag Week sometime. Right after that I would start getting real serious about Trans Iowa stuff. And if people look back, I would normally announce the next one sometime in August. Well, I'd already been thinking a lot about it and planning for it and right. you know, stuff ahead of that announcement. So yeah, I mean there would be trips to sea roads and poring over maps and, you know, getting around to some of my main volunteers to see if they were still gonna be on board with it and you know, poking the people down in Grinnell that help support it and seeing if they were going to be still be on board for because you don't want to announce anything without, you know, having all yeah. that there. Yes. And, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I would be already starting to crawl out from under the rock and getting all busy with trans Iowa now. Right. Normally. And yeah. this is, you know, like three months after trans Iowa and right ends,
0: you've got to start all over again. And that's, you know, 15 years of that. Um, And yeah, and registration is around, was usually around November, correct?
1: Uh, Sometimes uh, I'd been running it like in October the last few years. Yeah. And you got to figure that out, how you're going to do that. And and it it, it evolved as the event evolved and more people had been in it and finished it. Uh, I had to evolve the way things happened. There ended up having to be a lottery for new people. And I had to devise how to do that um yeah it's just a lot of different things every year that you had to come across and, and right. tackle like last year it was um uh, i found out that some guys were taking the cue sheets that we gave them at the pre-race meeting and putting them in their garments so they didn't have to read cue sheets for the first forties 50 miles yeah and so i had to figure out okay that totally changes when you don't give them the cue sheets to the morning of you know so they can't do that yep and yeah, that,
0: that was a funny change this year. I couldn't believe people were doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of work. Okay, if you've done Trans Iowa, you understand that the first 50 miles are just the first checkpoint, a lot of that is in the dark. So you can literally follow Blinkies. Yeah, unless you're like, you know, it's like one of the first two dudes. Yeah, I mean, a guy a back of the pack guy like me or like a middle of the pack guy. I mean, why would you like do that? It yeah, would be, so I can. I suppose maybe it was somebody
1: who it would benefit. Right. they are the front end guys. So, um, and I was thinking about this actually on the way down here today, Sam, I was thinking, what is the one thing I regret uh, that I didn't do? One thing that I didn't do that I regret. What is the one thing that you didn't do that you regret? And I decided it was, uh, not springing the cues on them the morning of sooner than I did. I wish I would have done that years ago because it totally changed the dynamic of the event this year. You know I was I've been around the thing enough to know that when it's the weather's like this, such and such like it was this spring it was pretty decent. I was thinking, well, they should be at checkpoint one at such and such time, you know in between these mm-hmm. hours, so I had my volunteers lined up to be there, and they were all there and great as usual, but the riders didn't show up when I thought, and they, they were a lot later than I thought, and when they came in, they were hammering they they said they weren't having any problems they didn't say anything about the roads it was because they had to navigate because they had wow. to actually read the cue sheets and wow. so that, that was a dynamic that that totally, totally changed just because of,
0: shift. because yeah. then
1: i thought well you know they used to race to checkpoint one super fast and then it took them forever to get to checkpoint two it was because from checkpoint one to two they had to navigate and so now I wish I would have done that years yeah. and years ago. Yeah. So, so this has
0: been going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been going on for a while. God, what
0: a... Oh, wait. This is my pie. What a fucking waste of time. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I forgot. We're not on the radio. Yeah. I can swear. But seriously. Yeah, I'll beep it out later. <laughs> Fuck that. If you... You know what? That's... Here we go. That's such a type a roadie as someone I know would say Euro trash bullshit thing to do. Yeah. Like that's almost, it's almost as bad to me as like doping to win a independent gravel race. Uh, I've heard rumors people have done that, not for trans Iowa, but for other things. And like, really, I mean, yeah. I've I've done beer legs before, but that's not a banned substance. Oh. That's just a not recommended substance. You know, that's about it. So, yeah. So, actually, that's funny. That makes me think about um, I was part of Trans-Iowa 8 and 10. Mm-hmm. And I think about like the morning of 10. And, man, we were just 8 sucked because it was just wet. Yeah, right. It was gross. My bike was gross and I was gross. It didn't work out. But I did get a great breakfast at a diner. In Grinnell, and I'll tell that story later. It doesn't really matter now. But, yeah, on 10, people were flying. Yeah. And you could just see the line of Blinkies, and it was, so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm not a gr- real honorable guy, but I didn't look at the cue sheets until that morning because that's just how I pictured, like, right. this is what we're doing. Also, I'm not going to get there any faster. I, na- right. I can I can navigate faster than I can ride. So wow, okay, so that's the one one thing that you regret. Um, one of the one of the things about Trans Iowa that really makes it unique or made it unique from other gravel races was the fact that it wasn't the same course every year. Right. For I mean, for that length of a race, you know, three hundred and twenty miles. Um, like what what kept you inspired to keep up with that ethos instead of going back going into a
1: this is trans Iowa show up. This is what we're doing. Right. Well, part of the, the idea, I think it goes way back to the beginning. Um, was that we wanted it to be a mental challenge, a logistical challenge, um, something that required more than just physical prowess. All right. So, I mean, if you have the same course every year, you go, okay, Uh, we're going to go like hell for the first 50 miles and there's a couple climbs and then we we're going to do our nutrition here and then we're going to you know I mean you got it all planned out right? Right. So logistically and and mentally you you shut those things off you just ride. Yeah it's basically just a time trial at that point. Right so when like I, I equate it to like when you look at a European pro racer and he's got the thing glued to his top tube that tells him where all the climbs are or where all the the cobblestone sections are and so he you know it's not a surprise Mm -hmm. you know he knows this stuff's coming and where to go hard and where not to go hard and it's that element I wanted to take away I wanted to take away that I wanted people to have to think on their feet more you know and experience what it would be like if you were in the middle of nowhere and had to decide you know when do I stop to resupply how much further can I go with what I have I don't know what's coming up. So right. how does that so, factor into what, what I've got here? It's like an actual adventure by bike. Exactly. Instead of a
0: right, a, a fucking circuit training exercise. Right. Yeah.
1: So what happens with Trans-Iowa is you get different people winning. You know, you've got endurance, obviously. You've got mental fortitude, which is a big, big part of it. And then you've yep. got people who make good decisions. So, for instance, I look at Trans-Iowa, the eighth one that we talked about earlier. Um, we had the Braun brothers from Wisconsin come and do it and they just lit it up. They were like, I could hardly keep ahead of them. You know, I had to mark a few corners and stuff. I remember hitting the stakes in the ground and looking up and they were there. And I was like, what the hell? And I get my truck and burn down the road (laughs) to the next corner, you know? And, (laughs) and it was like the hounds of hell on my (laughs) tail, you know? And, I remember getting to one of the checkpoints and talking to some volunteers and they were like, well, how far out are they? And I said, they're going to be here in a half an hour. And they're like, what? And, and they said, how can they do that? You know, that, that's not a sustainable pace. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know what to tell right. you, you know? And and what happened was that uh, they made certain decisions to go really hard and really fast and not stop very long. And it ended up being bad decisions because they were 60 miles out and quit because that's right they did quit didn't yep, they they they, they yeah. were delirious they couldn't even read their cue sheets anymore because they went so hard so they they i don't know if they ever came back after that i'm pretty sure yeah. ne- none of them neither one of them did they'd had enough or something but anyway well, the, that, the point yeah. is there that that's a good example of how these guys had the physical prowess, but they made bad decisions. And right. They bit them.
0: So right. They, yeah. Hey, pace for something. Also that morning, like the start, the start of eight mm-hmm. was a rainy, soggy. It was a mess. It yeah. was a mess for that up to the first checkpoint, which I didn't even make it at the first checkpoint. <clears> but I think, I think I've already covered that story a couple episodes back. Uh, it was funny. Mm-hmm. I had an adventure. ride bike that day too, but it only just got me to Grinnell. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's a great, that's a great example of, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have that happen at like dirty Kansas, right? That's just a right balls to the wall.
1: Well, you know, the nature of what they created, it's a completely different deal because, yeah. um, uh, Kansas, the na- very nature of where they have the event, they just don't have logistically yeah, there's the possibility to do it like a trans Iowa, especially with that many people. So I mean, they've done the best with what they've got to work with. That's true. So I know I, a lot of people like to compare the two, but you just can't. No, it's
0: com, totally, it's not mm-hmm. even
1: apples to right. oranges. It's, right.
0: It doesn't even.
1: Right. It's like, the, the only way they could have done it like I did it was was to be, uh, limit the, the number of people to such a low level. You would never heard of Dirty Hansa. Right, it would have been seventy-five people every year. You yeah, know? <laughs> so how how many people race Dirty Kansas? Oh, I think twenty-five hundred, and all across all the events they have. Yeah, right in Trans Iowa. I mean, I think they had fifteen hundred in the 200. Yeah.
0: 1,500
1: people alone in that one.
0: Well, so. this year didn't weren't they shoot like two for two hundred and twenty female riders? Period. Yeah, I know there. Who, it was a rough one this year for a few of them, but um, yeah. Uh, anyway, off off track. But yeah. So and then you know Trans I was usually limited to about 114, 120, 120. I'd
1: sign up, and then then what would happen would be life would happen. Uh, people get injured, people get job change. You know things happen and right. they couldn't come, and I just wouldn't replace them. So a typical field would be I would say somewhere between 85 and 95 people. Of the, within the last few years, the so most we ever started was 106 in, in the tenth one. So that was the most ever. Yeah, that was a beautiful day.
0: Yeah. Until after checkpoint one, when the we turned back into the wind. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wind killed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a nasty one. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I remember I I came upon the uh, the Casey's in North English, Iowa. Yep. And it looked like rag bride pulled up. <laughs> except everybody was dusty and really tired and grouchy. Yeah. Yeah. Made some friends. That was mm-hmm. a, a, incidentally, that was actually the town where I ended up freaking the bartender out. when I asked if I could take, bring my bike inside. Oh, okay. He was like, wait, what? Oh, Oh, <laughs> yeah." He got a good look at me like, Oh, Oh, not that kind of bike. Like, no, I don't think that this garb and that kind of bike, right. You know, yeah, this unnecessary, um, but yeah, it was a beautiful day. That wind was just mm-hmm. such a—it
1: it was, was wicked a, out of the east, even.
0: Real, yeah.
1: Yeah. Who would have thought?
0: So right, we almost always get prevailing winds right. from the west. Like, come on, that would have helped everybody until checkpoint yeah. two. Yeah. Well, the the turnaround into it. Yeah. Because a- actually, once once we stopped there, I already done the math. And it didn't require counting miles. I was done. I yeah. was like, uh, zero plus zero equals. I'm going to that bar up the street. <laughs> there were a bunch of guys from Canada that year too. And they were at, the, and I was like, guys, let's just go to the bar. And they're like, there's no bar in this town. I'm like, Oh yeah. We're in, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, are you from Iowa? Yeah. There's a bar in every town. Mm-hmm. If there's not, you can, you can figure it out. Somebody's probably got a porch beer or something. Yep. Um, so yeah, I couldn't convince somebody to come rally with me, uh, but it was it was a it was a hard fought hundred and some odd miles, and then when, once we some one of the guys took the cue sheet and was like, "Well, this is where I plotted it." So some of the guys were going to cut across and go to the checkpoint and just high five people, and I'm like, "I don't know if that's kosher, but have fun with that." I'm going to the bar, <laughs> like I'm not doing this anymore today. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun year. But yeah, that that was the, I mean, that thing was just like yeah, line of tail lights. Everybody's like high fiving people through the first checkpoint. Mm-hmm. The convenience store looked like some kind of weird like, um, uh, uh, gr- grocery games type situation. Like, I'm glad they didn't have carts in there. Yeah, I mean, gotten real ugly. Yeah. Oh man, everybody's like mad dashing, and grabbing slices of pizza, <laughs> cans of coke were flying around like hotcakes. It yep. was pretty amazing. Um, but anyway, so 15 years of your life, mm-hmm. um, have you felt any kind of like uh, emotional drop because of this
1: being out of your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, hasn't happened yet. No? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know. It's really weird because um, I think it's kind of like when the only thing I can I can equate this to is like when I got out of high school and quit playing football. Okay, so... You know, you played in high school, senior football, mm-hmm. you're done. You got the rest of your senior year, you graduate. And then you're not thinking about not playing football again. You're thinking about all kinds of other stuff. Right. And there's you know, a, whole, there's a yeah. whole summertime to go yeah. to live through. And then September comes and you get that smell in the air and the temperature gets a little cooler. And you're thinking, I should be doing something. I'm missing something. What is it? Yeah. I'm not playing football anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think that's when it hit me then that i wasn't going to get to do that anymore and i I kind of wonder if that's what's going to happen with trans iowa like you know come it'll come like april and the last week in april when trans iowa usually was and i'm not doing anything you know so right. uh, maybe it'll take till then i don't know maybe it'll take till like when i normally ran registration or when i usually used to go out and do recon and
0: right you know i don't or know when, like, i don't know you walk out one day and you're like why is my truck so clean
1: yeah <laughs> like, what's yeah. up with this <laughs> yeah this is odd it shouldn't be this clean this time yeah. of year what's going on we actually had a conversation in my family about it just this past week and um it came up that that aren't are you glad i said to my wife phyllis aren't you glad that i'm not Doing this anymore, and she said pretty much what I thought she would say. She would say, "Well, I thought it was great that what you did." She didn't want to belittle the the race or anything or anybody's accomplishments in it, but she said, "I saw what it did to you, and nobody else got to see that part." And you know, and so she knows the back the dark side of Trans Iowa. You know, next guess, (laughs) Phil Stevenson.
0: try to, I'll try to lure in with like, Oh no, there's some, I've got some ramen over here in this room. Like, sit down. (laughs) No, here's the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You know, um, in in everything everybody does, you know, the, everybody's got that person in their life, whether it be, you know, their wife or their husband or girlfriend or their kids, or, uh, in my case, uh, my cat, um, Oh yeah, and my family, but um, but mostly my cat. <laughs> my family doesn't really witness like all the day to day nonsense I go through. But man, you know, Bathory, who has actually been a guest on here a couple times. Surprised he hasn't come up to check it out. Yeah, he always has this like penchant for like, hey, wait, I think he's doing a podcast. I need to go meow during it. <laughs> but, you know, we're not blessed with his presence not today. today. Not today, Cat Satan. Um,
1: so so she's seen she's seen the dark side of yeah Yeah. i mean well she sees what you know what i'm like when i'm worrying about stuff and when i'm up late at night trying to format cues and yeah you know i'm gone crossing stuff or if i'm gone all weekend doing recon you know she i come back home and i'm wiped out and been out all weekend on gravel roads Mm -hmm. bouncing around inside of a truck for 500 miles or she sees what it's like when I come home after a trans Iowa when I've been drugged through a knot hole for forty some odd hours of no sleep. So yep. yeah, which I by the way, I really did it right the last one. I I think I broke my record. I was I think I did forty four hours of no sleep, which was a personal record. I don't plan to break that anytime. <laughs> <soon>. <laughs> right, right, just let that one stand. That can stand the yep. board for yeah,
0: you know. for the for the next generation class or something. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny cause like I, I've never see you, um, in that mode either until trans Iowa 13, uh, at the coming tap. Yeah, And so I I had gone down to the coming tap cause I had some inside information weird that <laughs> it was going to be one of the, one of the checkpoints. So I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just going to go down there and like, right. see what's up. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a rainy sloggy mm-hmm. day and, um uh, Okay, for those of you who know where Grinnell is and we you know where the coming tap is, so when you get so okay, you can look at uh, you can listen to us say that this is a three hundred and some mile race mm-hmm. and it's three hundred miles of gravel, but until you look at what where it goes you it if you don't have that physical representation, you can be like, oh, three hundred that's a big number, but no when you think about where Mark drug these poor souls. <laughs> it's, it's way worse than that. It's way worse than that. So, uh, yeah, I got to experience you when I was like, you know, I'm like, Hey, what's up Mark? And you were like in the mode. Yep. And I don't even know what hour you are on. Cause it's like mile 200 mm-hmm. and you're just like, doing something. I was like, well, you know what? You are doing something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was, that was a totally different Mark. Yeah. I'm used to, I'm used to, you know, R- riding like you having to come back and like, yeah, it's all right, man. We got you, you yeah. know, like gents race for some reason, every year I'm, I've the f- one year I was in really great shape and every other year I've either sucked or my, my bike betrayed me. Yeah. Um, or we just said, screw <laughs> it. <laughs> like, yes. We're done. <laughs> yeah. We're done. Yeah. yeah you know, the, um, talk about like the, the kind of the opposite. Yeah. of Trans Iowa is like, or any race like that is like you against yourself against the course against nature Mm -hmm. against whatever marks cooked up for you the gents race, the gentleman's race it's i mean come on listen the the name is it's the gents race um it's a five five person uh team not really much of a race some of the guys race it you know there's like that those like Top five or yeah. six on the rivet. The skin suit guy. The skin suit guys. We get skin <laughs> suit guys. They're like, man, remember when we were our skin suits just a couple months ago, finishing mm-hmm. up the season of cyclocross? Let's bust those babies out yep. again. And the skin suit guys. You can just smell them coming. Yep. Um, they smell like skin suits, whatever that means. <laughs> Whew, this air is ripe with skin suit. Yeah.
1: Um, and embalming oil uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you're gonna die die. um (laughs) yeah yeah you're gonna uh it's funny we all of us are um here's your nihilistic moment of the the day for the podcast but okay so uh I've totally forgot where he's going with this. I think one of yeah. our wings
1: fell off and we're spiraling towards the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going
0: down. We're going. It's a mayday. It's a mayday. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm used. To, I'm used to you being like, you know, like coming back. I'm usually the guy on our team that's like off the back, like just slow. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a bad attitude about it. And I was like, maybe if I just had better fitness, but it turns out if I just had a better fucking attitude, which I got, it was like, yeah. Oh, wow. Now I don't care that I'm back here. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Bye. Have fun, guys. I'll either catch up to you or, um, I still like, I think after that first year where I was like, I just want to ride everybody's goddamn wheels off, um, I remember that you were like riding a little spicy. And <laughs> yeah. It was the first time we ever rode together yeah. too. Yeah. You're like right a little spicy there. And like <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize I could do this. It was like that moment. where like, yeah. I know kung fu. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was stupid. I should have not been a jerk that day. Um, but yeah, so I'm used to you know, I'm used to that mark. And then yeah, like getting mile two hundred, wrangling all these people in the rain. All these misery. Everybody that came in before I got dark, all three of them or four of them was like Luke, Greg, Sarah, yeah, um, whoever, the- who was the guy in front of? Who was in first place? Dan Hughes. Dan Hughes, right? Um, th- those four people. I think there's one other person that came in before I got dark. They were fine. Yeah. But man, after dark, all bets were off. That bar filled up. And it got ugly. What a. Cruel joke to play on those guys too, yeah. like of course you didn't know. I mean, maybe you didn't. Maybe you ordered the weather. <laughs> I don't know. Some people have people blame me for that. <laughs> people have blamed you for the weather in that race for sure. But uh, yeah, the, it, people came in and you know, like uh, Bailey Newbery. You know, he he second place overall this year. And, wow. uh <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, that's not really the end of the podcast, but we're just going to leave that in there. But yeah, like
1: we're just going to take a break now and jam.
0: Yes. uh, (laughs) And there was your dance portion of today's podcast. Um, I I forgot that was in there.
1: Um, (laughs) This this podcast has been sponsored by Euro Trash. Yes. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm not even a waste of time explaining that song. Um yeah I wrote that crap. I know I usually have better music in but the it never mind that's explaining it. Um so yeah watching these guys come in and like call it a day when you're like yeah Bailey um who is a like smoking hot single speed mountain bike yes. racer. He's second just second
1: in tour divide this year.
0: Second place overall, first place by a way by a long ways single, single speed. speed. Just it, it, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, he he had a team from when he was still in Chicago at Comrade. Um, he passed us on Gent's race. Yeah. He came. He came by. He's like Sam. Like oh Bailey. Like hey, what's up, dude? <laughs> He's like yeah, you know. And we were like, and that was the really windy year where we just gave up halfway because yeah. it was like, except for Steve, who afterwards was like, man. I should have just came up halfway. <laughs> I regret this decision. But yeah, we were, we were back at the, um, the Nighthawk, the start, and uh, I see Bailey come in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, how'd you guys do? He was like, well, four and a half hours, a little slower than we thought we'd do. Yeah, it's like 35 mile an hour winds the yeah. whole way. Yeah. Like, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> Bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you aerodynamic people are amazing. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> so trans, I was over, we've covered that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably do like five episodes just yeah. asking you more questions about it. If I had more focus or just telling my own stories, which are inconsequential because there are so many cool glory stories of people like, uh, the year that rich Wentz one. Yeah. That was, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. like, I remember
1: people asked like, how did you win? He's like, well, I mean, I just didn't go the wrong way pretty much yeah yeah and he out and he got water at the right times right which saved his race basically you know the, everybody else around him was just dropping out either because of uh physical injury or they just got dehydrated or they made a wrong turn and he was just basically the last guy standing yeah you know, yeah it was, know, it, was a,
0: it was a total war of attrition mm-hmm. like people were getting knocked out and yeah that's and that's what he says when I hear like be, like how would you win he's like well i mean i just I mean I made it to the end. Yeah. Like I just much. kept I just kept riding. Yeah. Like I didn't make a wrong turn like yeah. Yeah, uh Rich is a, a good combination of uh strength and uh zero fucks given yeah. and intelligence yeah. all together. Like he knows how to make smart decisions. Yeah. Um but he's also no one's he knows when to make really dumbass decisions because they're hilarious. <laughs> um one one of my favorite Rich moments was uh at the an old capital Cross race, he had this uh steel single speed Bianchi 29er, and he got out on like the one, two, three race, and he was stroking those guys for four laps <laughs> on that bike. Wow. And man, they were pissed. <laughs> Every lap. I'm watching. these guys are like yelling back at each other, like, get him. Yeah. And he's just like doot doot do doot, smiling just zzz. Gone yeah. right, but then he, yeah, we, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, when it's time to blow up, I just blew up and yeah, let him pass me. But it was fun pissing him off, yeah, it was fun for us too. Yeah, it was one of my favorite cyclocross race watching moments yeah. that didn't involve the, the uh, barrier ferry, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite wheel builder. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh man, what, what else should we talk about?
1: Well, um, we've talked about what we're going to do tomorrow. We're talking about Trans-Iowa. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Anything. Oh, man. I wasn't prepared for anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can. we can talk a little bit about... Um, uh, everybody's worried about the future of gravel racing. Oh, boy. You know what? The future of gravel...
0: The future of gravel racing. Yeah. 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 Um, man we we might have to do another podcast after the race to talk also talk more about this because this is really uh i almost got in that tangent a little earlier Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because with trans i sorry i've if you can count the number of times that i personally have said trans iowa in this episode (laughs) you win one
1: kudo um is that like a cryptocurrency (laughs) it is it's so cryptic it doesn't exist
0: not even in the internet um yeah so not to get too long into it but you you have watched what the gravel scene is Mm -hmm. like get get from like it was nothing Yeah. Like, there were some dudes that, like, rode on gravel roads. Yeah. Uh, I was having conversations out on the rag ride course with some old head dudes that, like, man, I remember it was just, like, me and these two guys, and there's never been anybody out there. Right. And that's kind of why I got into it, because I really enjoyed not riding with people. But then when I ran to the people I was riding with, like, we were of like mind. Right. And fun. And wanted to have fun not having fun. Unfortunately maybe fortunately but it, it has gotten into a thing where people think that it should be fun and it should be some giant group thing and there's some big future and I mean Mark what do you think about the future of
1: gravel racing Well I actually uh been doing a lot of thinking about this over the last several years You know uh the industry the cycling industry's grabbed a hold of it obviously definitely and there's a lot of angst about again there's a lot of pushback to that, which I understand. I mean I people don't like marketing being marketed to. They do and they don't. People love yeah. it when they get attention, but don't give me too much. You yeah. know? So that's kind of a two edged sword. And I'm not gonna go there today. But the other side of that is um, you know, gravel the gravel thing has and you kind of brought it up the gravel thing has always been very inclusive okay yeah so you're riding a motovicon single speed that you converted i'm riding this karate monkey and this other guy over here he's riding a cyclocross bike with it that's you know all Euroed out and got the disc wheels and everything we're all riding together in gravel and we're having a good time
0: yep. nobody
1: cares any a lick about the bike yeah. It's just the vehicle to get us down the road and have a good time, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of where it started from. And you're, you're a woman? Great. Come on with us. We'll ride. all ride the same course. And if you win, we'll lift you up above our shoulders and celebrate you. You know, Sarah yeah. Cooper won Odin's Revenge one year. We yeah. all thought oh, it was awesome. Right. You, yeah? know? Um, it, you know, if there's prize money or a prize, we don't care if you're a woman, man, don't, doesn't matter we don't make, differentiate there right you know and so the it's very egalitarian it's very quality based it's very you know eclectic uh and it's been that way forever so i think what people get bent about now is that they're seeing it oh the roadies are coming or oh it's going to turn into a series or oh no there's going to be uh some kind of overseeing uh governmental thing that happens to us you know right you know and 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 the and the reason they don't want that to happen the reason they're saying those things is because they got away from that to get into gravel because it was liberating right they were having fun they weren't burdened by rules they didn't have to buy a license they didn't have to uh uh conform to some tradition you know right um so I, i and i think people are afraid that that's where it's gonna go and there's some elements of being brought in that would i could see where you would think that you know but i think if you really dig down deep and look at what's going on around us in 2018 are we, do we have a uh, a governing uh body for group no we don't do we have uh a lot of rules not really no just no, event don't.
0: event based right That's are, what, yeah. yeah
1: do we have uh uh like Unwritten codes like you can't have A seat bag on your bike You know we, the rules thing You know yeah, we, we don't do yeah. that You know um, do we have different Courses for women no do we have Podium girls no do we have nope. We don't have any of that stupid ass stuff No right so Don't bring it here <laughs> I agree 100% keep, and, keep that, and I think that's what, keep the, it away. that's what Your basic gravel person is saying Don't bring that shit over here we don't want that so i think that what's it going to look like in the future as long as we keep it real quote unquote right it's going to stay quote unquote real and you know it's all up to us because you know people got mad when when back when the dirty Kansas started charging 100 bucks for an entry fee it's 200 bucks now and they were like oh my god how can they get away with that and i'm like They sold out, dude.
0: Yeah, they didn't get away with it at all.
1: Whose fault is that? It's yours. (laughs) (laughs) You bought the ticket. (laughs) Right. You bought the ticket. You
0: took the ride. Right, right. And then you bitched about it. Right. No.
1: Okay, so I always like to turn the tables on people that bring up that. I always say, well, look, if you're running a race in your backyard and someone wanted to Bring over a wheelbarrow full of cash to come and do it. Would you like tell them no? We can't do that. We have to keep gravel real. Got to no, keep it real. No, you'd be taking the money. Yeah. I think you'd be taking the money. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know? weird how
0: that works. Yeah, money. Like if you could. Yeah, I mean, very seldom do people turn down money coming from a good
1: place. Right. So that they can help make something happen. Right. And, and that's what they're doing down there. They're, they're taking that money and they're trying to make what they're doing better. And if you don't like it, you don't have to buy the ticket. Yeah, don't do it. I mean, it's not part of a series. It's not part of uh, the UCI calendar of events. Right. So you have to go do it for the points. Yeah, you're not getting you know? your gravel points. <laughs> like, Ooh, Where's my gravel points? Right. You know, no. it doesn't mean jack shit. It's no. just a gravel race. You know, it's a personal achievement. Right.
0: And for a lot of people that do it, that do it for multiple years, it's like a family reunion.
1: Yeah. And that means more than anything. Mm -hmm. And so it takes a a certain amount of organization and a level that they want to uphold of quality to put on what they do. And they do a really, really good job of it. I've seen behind the scenes. I know the people that do it. They're all really great people. They're not in it for the filthy lucre. They're in it to give right. people a good time. And they and talk about you know how the backside of the event affects people. They're going through a lot of the same stuff I did, you know. Uh it was kind of funny because this year at Dirty Kansas, I saw Jim Cummins, who is the executive director of the Dirty Kansas, was there. Uh Craig Schmidt from Gravel Worlds, who's one of the two guys that puts on Gravel Worlds, he was there. Uh, Dave Pryor, who is going to start putting on an event called Unpaved Pennsylvania, that's going oh, to start yep. this fall. He was there, um, and then uh, Bobby Wintle from Land Run was yeah. there. We were all there together in one little group talking, and that's a crazy group, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we're rare people. We're we're the people who've done this shit, you know, and we we can look at each other in the eye and we don't even have to say it. We well yeah, you get it. You get yeah. you know what I what I'm going through. You're like you are like a know? decade of B S and right. all
0: the planning and dealing right. with the,
1: yeah. Right. And so I, I I just said it out loud because it was such a rare thing to have these independent promoters all in one space. And I said, You know what? I said, We're all promoters of big gravel events and I said, Nobody knows what we go through except for us. We don't, nobody gets it, but this, this it, we're kind of an mm-hmm. exclusive little group. And it was kind of neat to see the smiles and the faces and the twinkles in the eyes going, yep. Yeah, you're right. You know? And so I bring that up, not to say that we're super special people and you guys all suck, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you do. No, 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 no. That's not true. not true. You You're all fabulous. But I bring it up because uh, these people are busting their balls because they care. And we and we understand it when we look at each other. You well, know?
0: right, and then and for like you know armchair directors to sit there and right. be like, oh, I can't believe this bullshit. you are charging this much exactly. money. Um. Yeah, you know what, armchair uh, race directors get bent. Yep. Uh, go put on your own race, and then yeah. then you in in ten years you can come. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yep.
1: Yeah, and there's lots of guys, a little events, all over the, and I'm sure if anybody hears this out there that you're an event promoter, you get it too. I know you do, and yeah, it's, it's a lot it, of work. It's a lot of work, and and you worry, and it's stressful, and it takes a lot out of you emotionally. And if if you if it doesn't, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. That's all I got to say about that. So yeah I mean the the whole gravel scene is made of people like that on the one side that promote the events and create the events and do all the groundwork so you can come and then the other side is a is the beautiful part where all of the gravel family comes and you get together and have a good time with your friends mm-hmm. and then have there's a little competition in there, okay so you, you know you get give, give each other a bunch of crap yep. about your performances and stuff and that's all good right but in the end of the day we're all. We're all people, you know? We're all getting along, and, and right. that's a beautiful thing to see when you go to Dirty Cancer or you go to Gravel Worlds or you go to the 24 Hours of Coming, you know? Like, I walked into the uh, Coming Bar this afternoon. You saw that? Jim Cummins was there yeah. from Dirty He came up and gave me a big hug. How you doing? You know? And we yep. had a little chat. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. So I think as long as we keep it like that, we don't have to worry about it. Anything else? Well,
0: right, because when you when you talk when people talk about having like some governing body, like who's going to start that? Who's going to plant that seed? And who's going to allow that seed to take hold and start governing things? Hmm. Like, is some like group of ten people going to come and all of a sudden go like, "Hey, Jim, this is what you have to do with Dirty Kansas now"? Like, hell no, that's not going to happen. So yeah, right. You can doom and gloom talk and be like, "Oh man, there's going to be you know UCI," but like, howard, the only way that a cycling governing body can take over a grassroots thing is if it is allowed to happen. Yep. And I'm not saying a revolution against the UCI or something or USAc or whatever the hell. That's not what I'm saying. Fully, but yeah, we we. Like, we just don't let it happen. Right. Keep it real.
1: Right. And you can look at, you know, there's art, been articles. I mean, the first one I ever saw was in, posted in 2015 about how the UC, USAC was uh, losing, like, I don't know, it was like a million dollars of revenue because people weren't racing criteriums anymore.
0: Yeah, but who wants to race crits
1: Well, anymore? where they were wondering where they were going. Oh. And so, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, they figured it out. So you know, they're trying to get their mitts in the gravel thing by ensuring events and stuff like that. But you know, they're gonna to have to really take a. They're gonna have to really kind of turn their in their organization inside out if they want to get in on the gravel thing because they don't understand it. You know, they have to get rid of all these rules and like. Can you imagine someone showing up at a gravel race and making sure that you had the right bike? Right. I And mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just ludicrous, Oh uh,
0: man. Yeah. I could just see that conversation. Like, let me make sure you have the right bike. I'm like, man, I'm not even sure I brought the right bike at this point. <laughs> yeah. Let me know. You yeah. just let me know. Yeah. Like, wait, um, you know uh, what, one of the reasons this came up, um, in, in the press is because somebody had written an article about using aero bars mm-hmm. in gravel races. Um, I mean, any, anything you put in a bike, can cause an injury sure i mean you remember the first year that uh the tour had disc brakes yeah yeah it's some guy like got his leg cut off or something like first off i don't wreck often but i've touched a lot of disc rotors and i've 100 all of my skin intact from yeah. it what did you do but when those guys wreck i mean they're going like a billion miles an hour and and they yeah. just they're, they're in the midst of not giving any care about their body, right. but just making it do what it's programmed. But so I saw this article. It's like, hey, these guys shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to use aero bars in gravel. Um, What, what do you think about aero bars in gravel?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I think for the most part, it's not a big deal. The aero bars have been used in gravel yeah. events since... You know, the first Trans Isla probably, if I looked at the bikes. There are a lot of mountain bikes that you're maybe the second one. So yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean since going way back to the beginning. So actually this came up and uh I sent an email to Jim from Dirty Kansas and I said, Look, I said, here's what I think about this. You know, you've got people coming in coming in because they say invited like the Cyclocross world champion, Sven nice, it's, Right. And they invited Jens Volk there and, and all these yeah. Euro pro guys that are famous. And it brings a level of prestige to Dirty Camp. I I get why they do it, you know? Yeah. They totally it, get it. It's kind of fun to watch those dudes doing it, too. Right. It's
0: like, okay, right. we, we all know what we're going to do in it, but, like, where are those guys going to do
1: right. it? Right, right. How do they handle it yeah. and all that stuff? Sometimes not too well. Right. Well, you know, I mean... You put a set of arrow bars on a, a bike that they're maybe not 100% familiar with. And then they go out and ride a course that they're totally not familiar with. And it's a mix of mountain biking and road biking. Um, and they're going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. And so I, said to, I told Jim, I said, look, it's your event. You got to make a call. And if you're gonna have guys coming in from all these weird disciplines of of bicycle riding that aren't normally gravel people, I said maybe you should just take the arrow bars away from those guys. Just you know make a call mm-hmm. if you don't want it to happen. They can't handle if they can't handle the toys, take the toys away. Well, basically. right. So and, I
0: mean, and what's what's the harm in taking the arrow bars away from the elites? Right. They can deal with it. Right. You know, they're pros.
1: Are, are they not going to finish the Dirty Kansas 200 because they don't <laughs> have arrow bars? But
0: my arrow bars, no, right. not yeah. at all. So
1: it, for his event, that might be the right decision. Right. Right. Because my point, and I talked about it earlier, there is no governing body. You make the call, Jim. It's your event. Yeah. You, what's right for a Dirty Kansas? That's the call you need to make. I think that this, 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 and this, and I told him what I thought. But in the, ultimately, he has to make the decision and make the right call for Dirty Kansas. If a guy goes down and takes out a line of twenty people because he's in his arrow bars, you know, if I'm the event director, I say I'm not going to let you use arrow yeah, bars that, anymore. That would definitely be the end of it, right? Causing a mass injury. But that, yeah. but you don't see that in any other gravel event. You don't see those big packs of drafters. except, no. except for at Dirty Kansas.
0: Right. Well, right. It's, it's that, it's the, it's the elite's training. It's, it's their, it's, that's their MO. Right. And, you know, um, I know in, in your, uh, rules, it's like don't bring six of your buddies and turn this into a freaking draft line drag race kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean that, okay. So when, uh, people who watch professional cycling, they're like arrow bars, they see arrow bars as like uh time trial advantage, arrow advantage, bad idea in in a and i I will say in my experience, I don't know that um say that the windy year on the gents race
1: mm-hmm.
0: we all seasoned riders and we held a really tight echelon we did for a long time <laughs> yeah, It was amazing, yeah, for guys that never ride together but once a year, yeah, we were completely in tune. And, uh, that's, that's, it was, it was a beautiful thing for being a horrible thing. Thanks Steve for pain training it for us. I do appreciate that. Um, but then, you know, when, I th- so when you're like an elite arrow bars are an advantage when you're not an elite, you're not going to be in a big pace line in your arrow bars Also, arrow bars are an advantage to your wrists more than, like, a non-aerodynamic person. Like, I'm not getting any more arrow in arrow bars. I've never felt an arrow advantage getting in my arrow bars. But what I do feel is, man, you get 100, 150 miles in on rocks, and your wrists start, and your elbows are like, oh, geez, man, could you give it a rest? Yeah. So, yeah, arrow bars are actually just another hand position. Yeah. And a very welcome one. Um, so yeah, just take it away from the, just take it away from the abusers. Yep. It's like, Hey, uh, you guys don't need these. You're a, a world champion. Yep. Get those off there. And they're like, wait, keep your laws off my <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, man.
1: you know, but for any other event out there, I don't see it's as a problem. I really
0: don't that's the one yeah. that one and only time i've ever yeah. seen someone complain about it. and yeah. th- th- was that person that wrote the article even there?
1: Uh i don't think so. I don't
0: think so either. I
1: think they were just they saw a picture. Yeah. Oh, but there was the there was a big wreck caused by him. Was there? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah, I, I know I that for know. a fact. Yeah. So, you know, that in that case, you know, i would say yeah. You got guys that can't handle it and they're super close to each other, you know, and, and they're they're going 20 miles an hour and over super rough terrain and it's not it's not yeah. pavement people it's no dirty kansas nigh under mountain biking in a lot of places on that course so and you're running down there with 40 millimeter tires and and some people have never really done that too much that are going that fast in that group and it's probably not a good idea to be in your aero bars so
0: you know the right. other thing
1: i said too is uh gravel cycling has always been kind of a self-policed thing so it's like you know how it is, you know. Hey, asshole, get out of your arrow bars. You yeah. know what are you doing? And and you know, as riders, we kind of right. do that, right? You you don't do that, dude. <laughs> yeah, not now, man. <laughs> not now. And like, so I, a lot of these people coming from like, yeah. they're coming from outside of gravel. They don't know that either. They don't know that unwritten code. So yeah, getting your arrow bars is a is a,
0: a personal thing where where it's safe, not yeah. like. Uh, loose gravel downhills right. are big, chunky... St- yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of big, chunky stuff, we've got some ahead tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be fun. Um, also, we are not running aero bars. Although, what we are running... It's a terrible segue. We are running... So, our team is uh, Team Pink mm-hmm. this year. Um, earlier this year. And, well, end of last year. I don't know. I've had so many fucking problems with that bike uh <laughs> it, it, i think i finally got it dialed into where it's gonna work um hopefully it does work tomorrow but yeah so pink standard rando and uh mark just recently built up um what'd you what'd you build up
1: yeah uh so i've been a big fan of black mountain cycles bikes i've had a uh, cantilever brake version that mike larley Released in 2011, I think I bought one of the first batch. Yeah, was it the orange? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I love that bike. It's yeah, beautiful. Thanks. So I really liked it, but as the world turns, everything's gone to disc brakes. So, yep. you know, I've always, I and many other people that are fans of Mike's bikes said, uh, hey, dude, let's have one of these in a the disc version. Well, he said, you said someday it would happen. And so I've always kind of thought, well, when that does happen, I'm going to get it. Subsequently, Mike uh, had released a pink version of the rim brake bike and I almost pulled the trigger on it, but I've already got an orange one, you know. Right, right. And <clears throat> I'm not going to get rid of it because I really like it. So it wasn't like I could just trade the orange for the pink. I was going to end up with two Break, and I didn't need it. You know, everything was going disc. It's and, a little redundant. Right. Yeah. So I let it go, but I made, made a lot of vociferous comments that Mike picked up on that I liked the pink, you know, and when he decided to pull the trigger on the bike, he emailed me, uh, actually he sponsored trans Iowa. So like late, late last year, he started emailing me about that. And, and through our conversations via email, he said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger on the uh, monster cross disc. And one of the colors is going to be pink. And I remember you liked that color. It's going to be the same exact color. I said, Oh, I see. He said, well, I'll put your name on one and we'll, we'll just figure out the money later, you know? And so I committed to that before they were even announced. And, uh, so that's how I got one. And it's a disc brake bike with three axles. So everything's modern, you know? Uh, so I'm future proofed for the time being at least. And, uh, yeah, I love it. It's great. So we got You had your standard Rando pink, and and I said, I got this one. Let's ride our pink bikes.
0: Riding our pink bikes. (laughs) It's going to be a a Team Pink uh, rally to the finish. Um, Speaking of rallying to the finish, we probably should uh, wrap this up for tonight um, so Team Pink can get some rest before we have to actually rally for the finish tomorrow. Um, Mark, it's been fantastic having you here. Thank you. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. I'm Um,
1: honored to be the first guest of this. What is it called? (laughs) Ah! Hey, what's (laughs) the show again? This is is a segue. uh,
0: (laughs) You've been listening to the Cyclist Not Biker podcast. Special something, something gravel edition with Guitar Ted, a.k.a. Mark Stevenson. My name is Sam. Uh, Have a great day. Get out and ride your bike. Cue the Euro Trash music. <laughs>